This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome in, my friends, to another episode of Behind the Pen. My name is Mike Rankin, and I will be your host today. And boy, do we have a treat for you. Lots of stuff on tap for today's show. Alongside me, I have Ricky Widmer. What's up, what's up, guys? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. This is going to be some sort of conversation, ladies and gentlemen, because we have uh, pressing needs, especially for a Chicago sports fan. We got you covered today. We got Bulls. Obviously, the debacle that is the Chicago Bulls is happening in front of our eyes. Our crippling depression right in front well, of we you. Can that's slow motion. That. Absolutely. You just can't look away. Well, it's fun. I mean, did we expect this? Absolutely. Anyway, we're going to move on. We're going to talk about that. Dwayne Wade comments, Butler comments in the current state. We're going to move on to Super Bowl conversation. Matt Ryan versus Tom Brady. Falcons-Patriots. Looks to be a good matchup. We'll, we'll see how that goes. And then we're going to end it with some Chicago Bears talk, really focused around what they can do in the third overall pick. Is it going to be Deshaun Watson? We'll have that for you. If you're listening on blogtalkradio.com backslash most valuable podcast, you're the best. That's where you can find all of our full-length podcasts. Make sure you become a patron. We got Appel mics, guys. Like This is awesome. We don't have to have videos with microphones in front of our faces. This, this, it's because of you. This is Everything is because of you. Become a patron. Donate whatever you can. We really do appreciate your time. Obviously, we value your listening ears. Uh, what else? Social media. Follow us at Most Valuable Pod. Subscribe to our channel. Give us a like down below if you're on YouTube for this Bulls segment. Stay right here because we're about to talk about some stuff and things with the Chicago Bulls. Dave and Ricky. Boy, where do I even begin? Where do I begin with this conversation? Because going into this season, you know, the Bulls had a solid plan. Like, they were going to rebuild, right? I think we were all ready for this transition period mm-hmm. until they signed Dwayne Wade and Rajon Rondo. Now, this is pretty much gone. I think you were against the moves more than some. Oh, I was. Oh, oh. I, I wrote, mean, I, mean, I, I, didn't, a, mind, I didn't mind it. I the phrase it. rebuild doesn't, you know, inspire confidence when you sign two people over 30. Right. Younger, more athletic. They, dra- they draft Denzel Valentine, not really athletic, kind of hurt. and Not really young either. Right. He's 22 uh, in terms of college players. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Wade, Rajon Rondo. I mean, oh, so far it's been a train wreck. Jimmy Butler, so much going on there as well. So let's dive right into it. So, okay, it started a few games ago, right? This was after the Orlando win when Dwayne Wade kind of mentioned, he, he said that, well, I don't know if I want to pick up my player option. I'm paraphrasing here, but he's 35 years old. He says, you know, he could do other things with his legs. He could save his knees, right? He doesn't want to play on a team that's underwhelming, under 500. Signing Rondo and Wade, and you have Butler as well, they marketed this team as some sort of powerhouse, not really a powerhouse. Contender. A team that could well, much better than this, but could contend <laughs> in the East, maybe stay relevant for a while, keep people interested. But this has just been bad. Just so much mediocrity on the floor right now. And Wade said, hey, I don't know if I'm going to pick up my player option next year. We'll see what happens. Then you move on to the disaster that was the Atlanta Hawks-Chicago Bulls matchup. And they were at home following a, a, a home-and-away back-to-back game, right? They blew they blew a 10-point lead with three minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Gave up 41 points, and after the game, Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler sounded off on their teammates. Guys, do I read the quotes? Should I read the quotes to begin this? I, I think you got to. Because, because when, I think you have to. Well, Dwayne Wade pretty much called out the team, right? And then Jimmy Butler followed it up by saying, I understand that if you got an open shot, take it. But a point in the game like that, no offense, but you got to get the ball to the best players. That's just how the game goes. Let it come down on my shoulders or D-Wade's shoulders. Let us be the reason why. I understand if you're open, yeah, shoot it. But it, at a time and place when a guy's making shots like he and I was, I felt like everything was going in and I put up there. It happens, man. You just got to learn from it. I'm not mad at the shot selection. I just think there's a time and place for that. Down to me, it's saying, okay, don't do your job. It's me and This is me and Wade. I mean, they're role players for a reason and they're superstars for a reason. And players like Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler are there. They're, they're the ones who are going to get you the wins. Let's be honest. You're, you're probably not getting a ton of wins out of, you know, Nico and Rondo and Paul Zipser and Taj. Like, those are great contributors for a small, small factor. But the guys who are really going out there and winning you games night in, night out, that's who you need to count on. And Jimmy's right. In the crunch time, you go to the guys who have that it factor, the, the guys who can carry the team on their back. And on a night like Atlanta, where they had been doing so well, you don't go away from the hot hand. And that that's what really kind of irks me, is the fact that I feel like if this team had uh, a better sense of leadership from the uh, coach, 
that this conversation wouldn't have even happened in the first place because, you know, if you have a great coach out there, he can kind of guide the team and how they're going to play out different situations. And this kind of turned into players are playing on whatever they feel like doing. And it's not like they're like out there going rogue like boogie out, but it's mm-hmm. it's just the fact that that's kind of what's happening. They don't with, have that teamwork. With aspect. Butler and Wade, that's what's happening. They're taking over. Well, and part of me when I first like heard these comments and saw the comments, my first part was, I don't mind it. I don't mind calling out the, and maybe it's because A, I'm not an NBA player, and B, I'm not playing, and like I'm not playing basketball currently on a team. I my <laughs> my part was, hey, you know what? Call it's healthy to say, hey, you know what? Step it up because if there's anyone like you look at to me the stat sheet and what was it, seventy four points that mm, combined, Butler yeah. and Wade combined for. If I was Butler and Wade, I'd feel like, well, come on, guys. It's to me, it comes down to trust. It would be like, come on, guys, really? I have to put this crappy team on my back and will us to the play. Well, me and Wade have to will this team to the playoffs. Come on, pick up the slack. Yeah, okay. However, that, uh, right. I can see the other side where it's like you probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah. And media I mean, is kind of the wrong way to well, go with that message. That's a locker room conversation. Well, and and they did have it, day Wade, Wade did talk the, to them well, behind closed here, doors before. Uh, you know, yeah, doing I just think that bringing it out to the public and the media, I think that that is kind of crossing the line, especially in today's day and age where everything is so overanalyzed. Well, it's okay to call out, out players. It's just the way, it, it, like the situations now, here, here's my opinion real quick. Because yeah. when Wade and Butler, right, they took over this Bulls team straight up. It, it, when he brought in Dwayne Wade and you could talk about his leadership qualities, what have you. Absolutely. Jimmy Butler is not a leader. And I'll tell you that right now. He's all for himself. He's Jimmy. Jimmy's for Jimmy. He wants the money. He wants to be acknowledged as a superstar among the top 10 players in the game. He may be there. That's arguable. For sure, his game speaks volumes to that. But when you look at guys to be a leader in the locker room, Jimmy's not that. And Wade acts like as if these players that he's with right now, the the, the secondary complementary players, aside from Taj, because Taj has been great, mm-hmm. and maybe even Robin Lopez, it's like yeah. it's like they're his children. He's 35 years old. He's acting like their <laughs> father. But he's like the most productive player on the Bulls. Yeah. But it's not their fault that they're bad, right? Jerry and Grant, it's not his fault that he sucks. I mean, right now, obviously he's young, he's inexperienced, but he's got he's gonna there's take different, time. Yeah, to grow. there's a difference between Isaiah you know having Cannon's an off bad. night versus like that's your talent cap. Meritage is bad. So what are you doing? I, I just think this is a really bad look. And it, it, it's Well, it comes down to trust. Why well, Jimmy I, doesn't trust like and that's the big thing with like he mentioned in his comment when he's like he pointed out Zipser and Nico. Like, you look at the box score, and what, with 20, 25 seconds left, Nico's taken the three-pointer. I mean, the first thing I think of is maybe it's my basketball reference of the old Bulls that actually won championships, and you might say, but Ricky, Steve Kerr was never a superstar, and he hit big shots for us when the game was on the line. Yeah, but Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, <laughs> Ricky. they had trust in you were, you Steve were Kerr at the time. I know. I one know. of the greatest franchises in all of ever. history. Yeah. I'm talking about Steve Kerr, not the, the 23 and 24 The same way with Danny Green, but, Ray Allen, all these guys who are clutch, who came up clutch in the crunch time. Nico's but, not that, though. It's yeah. Like, the Bulls don't have anybody like, Why like are that. you taking... Yeah, and that's... It's not... And everything right now, I know it's going to be on Wade and Jimmy because they said the comments, but... Why don't we point the ma- the magnifying glass and the spotlight on the real problem, the front office? Well, that's been the problem. It's Gar that that is like, the problem. It's one of these things where it's like, what do you? If I was Jimmy and I was speaking my mind, I would basically say, "Well, what the fuck do you want me All to right, do?" All right, now let's let's go back. What do you want me because, to do? Because because you brought it up. You brought it up. Dwayne Wade coming into Chicago. I don't know what he was expecting. But this is exactly, obviously, what was going to happen with the, with the current construct of this Let's roster. Be honest, he just wanted to come home. Well, he had nothing else no, to do. It, it was a middle finger back to Paul, to Pat Riley. He only Pat had a Riley. Bit, but, but also, the contract coming, coming home was a nice story for him. Of course, but he's 34 when he did that. He's six years late in that whole coming home party. But listen, yeah. Dwayne Wade signed a contract to come to Chicago. It's like a difference of $4 million to what Pat Riley offered. And that was, you're right, it's just a middle finger to yep. the Heat and Pat Riley. But... He's saying all these things as if, like, this is surprising to him. The construct of this roster warrants where the Bulls are today, and that's mediocre, just bad. I wouldn't be surprised if I had them as a 4-6 to six seed in the article I wrote uh, in the offseason because, I mean, looking at what they did to bring in this talent, 
like they should be on paper a playoff team around like obviously and the I bottom half of I the, him as an eight seed. the league. The players have lived up to their potential. Completely yeah, fair. I mean if Nico had grown as a player, if Bobby Portis had grown as a player, but there, there's so many times right. where if they grow, instead we see regression across the board with everyone on that roster except for Jimmy Butler. And that goes back to what Wade was saying and how he wants to step away from, hey, I'm not going to live with this Bulls team, no way, the way that it's run. And going back to your point, Ricky, mm-hmm. it's been the front office for a long time now. Gar Foreman has to go. That guy has to go. John Paxson, you know, he's he's been ties, tied with the Chicago Bulls for a long time. And you know what? How much he influences the roster decisions is up in the air, but I Gar Foreman is definitely the problem. And you know what else, too? Fred Hoiberg. Handpicked Gar Foreman guy. How much blame do you put on Fred Hoiberg? Now, I'm going to be as critical as I can of this man because when I, when I look at Fred Hoiberg, I feel like he was undermined immediately. Last year was a disaster, but and it was worse last year than it is now, but now it's getting to be kind of close to that. <laughs> <laughs> but when I look at Fred Hoiberg last year, Jimmy, two, two days into the season, he says, oh, we got to practice harder. This isn't this isn't right. Totally yeah. just threw him under the bus immediately. And then obviously stuff going on with Noah and, you know, the way he handles his roster, what have you. It's up to the coach, no matter how bad the talent is on your squad, to utilize that and make the most of it, right? Now, when you have Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler undermining you and saying, well, like, for example, in the game against the, the Hawks, Jimmy Butler, it was like 54 seconds left, and, and Coach Hoiberg wanted to call a timeout. Jimmy says, no, we're not doing that. It's oh, just instances yeah, that was, that was like that. It's just ridiculous stuff like that that says, okay, well, what can Fred Hoiberg do when you have a superstar in Wade calling the shots, being the coach, and Jimmy Butler all for himself saying, give me the ball. I'm the man. Yeah, and the fact that they come out and speak publicly about it, I think is just the, the, the most hurtful thing as a Chicago Bulls fan. And that's why I kind of liked when Rondo called them out on it. Yes. Uh, Rondo came out just a couple hours ago as we record this. Uh, and I'll give you just part of the quote because it is a very long one. Uh, he's speaking about his days back in Boston. He says, my vets would never go to the media. They would come to the team. My vets didn't pick and choose when they wanted to bring it. They brought it every single time they stepped on, on the gym, whether it was practice or a game. They didn't take days off. And it goes on and on. Didn't care about numbers. Only played for the team. And just keep going. And it's this whole thing about how, as a veteran, you have a role for that locker room. You have a role on your team. Right. And he feels that Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler are not living up to that role. He feels betrayed by them. And I I think for a player who has eaten so much of the hatred of Bulls fans this year in the media and pointed out as such a failure this year, what did you expect? You're getting Rondo. You Come on, he hasn't been relevant in years and all this garbage. And he's out there acting like the professional. Absolutely. He took the benching mm-hmm. like a professional. He didn't say a single bad thing. He's staying late for practice. He is helping out the young guys when he can. And he came off the bench, and he still tries. It's it's not one of those things where it's like he's totally demotivated. He still gives his all out there. And it's it's just kind of weird to see someone like him trying to put Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler I back I absolutely in place. love what you were saying about Ray John Rondo. Because if you've been listening to Behind the Pen, I've been super critical on Rondo and the Rondo side. I hated it from the start, but he has been the ultimate professional as a leader. Ricky, what you think? Well, the thing that I think of is Jimmy Butler. And when I hear Rondo's thoughts, I think to myself, okay, Jimmy Butler right now, 27 years old. And to me, I think that these next, I'm going to say three years because I mean... He's got technically two for-sure years and then maybe that last one in 19 and 20 that's a player option year. These are going to be the most important three years of Jimmy Butler's life because I pulled it up and I'm not pulling up to compare numbers or the player. LeBron James is the better player in this situation. But when you look at it, up until when LeBron James was 27, That was the season that Miami won their first title. That was his second year in Miami. The first one was that um, when he was 26, he lost to Dallas. What are you getting at? It's one of those things where look at the type of player LeBron was. Yeah, he was the best player, but when did LeBron James learn to be the better teammate, the better veteran than he already? He was the superstar in Cleveland. I'm going to hit the final shot. I'm going to go off on this day. Kind of, to me... Numbers, numbers, numbers goes to Miami, plays with D-Wade. Now, D-Wade isn't, to me, the same D-Wade that he was on that Miami team. Because yeah, but I his don't brain's think... the same. He's still doing the same things to coach players. Well, it's one of those things where I don't think that D-Wade would have went to the media. Well, because they had success. That's another thing that plays into it. That's why I think that just like LeBron, how he matured Miami, 
that's why these next three years with Jimmy are going to be crucial because he's got to learn to be a vet. He's got to learn to be a vet. If he wants to lead a team, he's got to know. We've already said that. He's not. He's all about Jimmy. So the question is Jimmy Butler, is he going to get that experience in Chicago? Or do you think that that's something you have to go kind of because LeBron went into the deep end? Like he went to a completely Mm -hmm. new team, new guys around him, and he grew a lot from that experience. Like you said, Jimmy Butler, you know, got Dwayne Wade to come in here. You got Serrano to come in here. And Wade obviously is the. Uh, leader of this team, both on the court and off it, it would seem. And Jimmy really looks up to him. And a lot of the uh, experience or veteran savvy that we expect to come off Wade to Jimmy, like that whole thing is great. But it's the question is, does Dwayne Wade a better coach? Wow. Well, and here's the thing: when I say that, I wanna, I wanna press it on it with this: is yep. I feel bad for Fred Hoiberg. Oh, me too. Because not he, even a little. He is yeah. not. Well, it's because. He's not a shitty coach. He knows what he's talking Smart about. Smart basketball mind. But yeah. A, he was put into a shitty situation, and B, he's not the right man for this job. I look at, and I'm going to compare it to another thing That's from fair. that Miami Heat team, mm-hmm. Eric Spolstra. That first year, Eric Spolstra oh, yeah. did not know how to work with the mind. Undermined with, with, by like LeBron all the time. Wait, but yeah. once Egos Eric Spolstra over. stepped up and said, "This is, I am the coach." It wasn't like a harsh, like, I'm the coach, listen to me. It was just took a little bit of a firmer stand. Well, look what he's doing now. He's, he's one of the better coaches been, in the NBA. He's the second longest tenure in the NBA. Been successful ever since. And with the Bulls, I don't know if that's Hoiberg stepping up. I don't know if that is bringing in another coach that is going to be I that say, guy. I want to see Hoiberg just take over. I just want to say, listen, the, I'm done with you guys calling the shots. Is this my team? I'm going to make the most out of what we got. Whether you like it or not. The, the problem I see with that is that Hoiberg was known for having a great system in place for offense. Like He, he was the offensive guy when he was brought in to kind mm-hmm. of counteract all the years of frustration of dealing with Tibbs, who was a defensive god. But you know we, we were struggling to put up 100 at night. And Hoiberg's offense, no, no one decided to check it out and be like, oh, so we need some specific you know, skill set players right. to actually work this. And what does that go back to? And we, we didn't mm-hmm. quite build that out. And we we didn't A, have the pieces. We didn't B, draft the pieces to fit that quite well enough. So, I mean, well, I'm not sure what the expectations yeah. could honestly be for Hoiberg. And that's why, that's why it's very situation. hard for me to be critical on Hoiberg and saying this is a lot of the blame goes to him because I don't think that's necessarily true. Obviously, he holds most of like some of it, mm-hmm. not most of it, maybe not most of it, because I think this is on uh, as much as on the players like Wayne Butler as it is on the head coach. But it is. His responsibility well, to create this atmosphere inside the locker room. I think you have to adapt. And, I mean, well, and that's, and that's exactly, what he hasn't seen. been able to take control. That, that's exactly it. Because the thing, the main difference in my little when I bring up Spolstra, yeah, is Spolstra came to the head coaching job as an assistant, already knew a little bit of the NBA, not the game, but like the. Atmosphere. He's been around the ego. Hoiberg spent five years in college at Iowa State. College players are farly different than NBA players. Yeah. College minds are oh, yeah. a little bit more influential at that age. Oh, a whole lot more. Even though it's like a year by the time you get well, to no, the they're NBA. Playing yeah. they're the, di- the difference is the millions and millions of dollars yeah, in their bank account. That goes to the head, And too. the media coverage. But and, it's yeah. one of those things where I feel like it's one of those things where he has needed time to kind of adapt and develop into that NBA coach. But all this drama and this situation with the Bulls is just setting it back, maybe like five years. So the problem is— That's an over-exaggeration, he, but you know what I'm right. talking about. We're talking Hoiberg. He never had a chance, in my eyes. He really didn't. Mm-hmm. And you, you brought it up, Dave. And it's just—it's roster construction. To, to, for his skill set and his coaching style, you don't have that. Miritich, bad. Bobby Portis, Bad. Isaiah Cannon, he's shooting like 29% from three. He was oh at one point starting. He Literally got, the worst decision maker I think I've ever seen in my life. You have Paul Zipser, <laughs> the second round draft pick from last year, starting, being their sixth man, and playing in the final minute of well, that Hawks game. Can I throw this question out what, to you guys? How is that Hoiber? With And I want to throw this question because this could be something that you could use to help Hoiberg. Do you look at this situation, and we were talking about Wade, Mm-hmm. possibly opting out. Right. Do you look at it and go, hey, you know what, D? If you're going to opt out, fuck it. Let's try to get something 
so that Hoiberg, let's try to trade for players that can help Hoiberg in his system, or do you just let this all work out and let D walk at the end? Okay, uh, Cleveland, Elon Shumpert, JR, JR, whatever. They're like, no. Like, it's wishful thinking. There's really I nothing you can do, that. especially restricted by the cap space in the NBA today and yeah. his, his contract. And, one, and this is one team I want to throw out, and I've thrown it out before on the fast break, but I want to throw it out to you, Mike, because I listened to ESPN Chicago and Sylvie on Ooh. the Waddle and Sylvie show threw this out. He's a big proponent of maybe the Milwaukee Bucks. D- he's like, D-Wade played his college ball there. Milwaukee's And he a was team. also interested, well, among the teams interested in signing Ma- him. Milwaukee's also a team that right now a game out of that eighth seed, they want to make the playoffs. They have a rising yeah, star. They're also the 76ers. That's why they're a game out. Yeah, but it's one of those things where maybe could that be a team that the Bulls Whoa. try to work with to get, but what would you get for who, D? Who are you looking at? Like Miles Plumlee or something? Yeah, I mean they're not they're not giving up Giannis and they're not giving up Jabari. So you're, you're could hoping, you, could not you even get draft picks. Not even could you get, you're getting a D Wade. So yeah, you're not 20? getting much. You're not if you want to trade for picks, you got to get a lottery, right? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I just don't the know. problem is it's a 35 year old D Wade, so maybe I'm overvaluing. Be like, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe that is no, because Bellinelli went for like a 19. Well, you look last at year, you look he? at Wade's production that this hurts. season. <laughs> it, it's scary that a 35 year old is averaging what like 19 points yeah, per he, game. He his efficiency missed, is down. He's missed six games. Well, I understand yeah, only five or six. Uh, but his assists are down. His assist looks are down, which I expect assists to be down when we're shooting so poorly. But right. even like the chances for an assist are down. Uh, the scoring percentage is down. It's just, look, I understand he's still a phenomenal playmaker. Absolutely. But on a one-year guaranteed, or on a half-year guaranteed deal at a 35-year-old, I mean, maybe the best we can get is a is a late lottery to, you know, mid-round, first-round pick you for have him. And you have to trade with a team that is in the mix of being a championship Because contender. he wants that. that has, that's yeah. it. That's what Dwayne Wade wants. And he's, that's why he said, okay, I'm yeah. probably, mm-hmm. well, I'm not probably, o- but maybe not coming back. The only crazy convolute system is like a three-way trade deal in the NBA. And those are, those are awful usually. So, well, and, and really rare. The one reason why I wouldn't be against it is. Del Vadova? What do you think? At, at the, well, <laughs> it's a at boy. this point. Fucking bad, 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 bad. <laughs> But um, it's one of those things where. I rather I don't care where the pick is. I rather get something for nothing. Well, that's okay then. Because then I'm actually trade Butler. That's another topic. Trade Butler. That's how you get that better is another, quicker. Like that is another one where I wouldn't be if the Bulls came out tomorrow and said, See, "Hey, I'm all we for traded it. Butler." I me. wouldn't be mad, but I would be like, "Well, I guess we're back to the Elton Brand days." Oh, dark, <laughs> dark days. Dark how, days. How? How? how do you, okay. What are you going to do to build around oh. Butler now? What can you do? Invest in free yeah, agency? Tw- Butler's 27 now? Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you have a guy who just is in his, just entered his prime pretty much. and They have nothing. Your your window is they have three nothing. years right, due to his contract. So, yeah, pretty much we, we've already watched us fail at free agency for multiple years. And They've missed the best draft we could picks. do, oh, our drafts are awful. So, yeah, I mean, the guys who should be, you know, helping him out are, are not even in the league anymore or they're in the D League, or they're they're riding a bench somewhere. Uh, it's just it, it's a really poor, poorly run organization. And I think you're right. I think the best way to do this is to clean house. You start with Gar Foreman, and that's got to happen. That that that's the guarantee. I think you do lose uh, Fred Hoiberg because I don't think that at this point I feel like he is so mentally mm-hmm. like shaken from. I don't know. This is gonna sound like a little wi- like wimpy on him. And but he'd like, find a job in college yeah. if he wanted to. And I think that's his better fit. Like, look, even like Pete Carroll, his first time in the NFL, <laughs> didn't coming work. up from college, it didn't work. He didn't have the mindset for it, and it I really mean, took a lot the second time some, through. Some would even say Brad Stevens' first tenure in the NBA isn't sure. working like we expected it to. Well, well he looks good. Uh, I, I think will, he, well, he's, a, he's, he's a great mind. Things where that it's team back and we forth. expected it to. They they locked out better. on Isaiah. Yeah, they really did. I mean, that was the biggest thing. But we, but my point is that team to take next up. The the point is that Fred, I don't feel like he can kind of grasp the reins anymore. I think that he's missed his chance and that the players on the team don't respect him at the level they should respect a coach. Mm-hmm. I think what you do is you dig deep and, you know, after letting go of Foreman, you let go of him and you're probably going to have to move some pieces in the meantime. But I think they need to look for, I hate saying this because everybody says it, but you go to that San Antonio coaching tree. Brett Brown is doing wonderful things right now for the 76ers. And I think that there are other guys on that uh, assistant coach lineup for the I mean, San Antonio Spurs. Look at what Buckhauser is doing in Atlanta. I mean, it's it's really because that's easy a professional organization. Well, it's really easy to take a a, a great head coach 
And, you know, as he shares his teachings along mm-hmm. to, to his assistants, like, it's very easy to draw a direct line from, hey, this is a great coach. I wonder if his assistant coach would be pretty right. good, too, because if you listen to him a lot, I mean, it just well, it adds up. Going back to your point, if you're firing Foreman, then see you later, Hoiberg. They're a package deal. They're most likely yeah. going to be gone. But that has to be done. This yep. Foreman move, it's been long overdue, long overdue. But I, I want to go back to the— Thibodeau days. And we, we saw the debacle of that relationship in the front office near the end of his tenure here in Chicago. Thibodeau, obviously, we, we, we're not going to argue this. He was one of the most brilliant basketball nights. He's a little crazy, right? He's a little crazy. That man had a horse voice 30 seconds into the game. <laughs> ice, ice. Yeah, no, but he's like the Bill Belichick of basketball in terms of whoa, like. Whoa, whoa, no, 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 listen. Too loud on the no. voice, by the way. What? It's a little bit too high. It's more like. Force, uh, force. No, I'm saying, but I'm, in, in that in that aspect, <laughs> force. the mind of Tom Tom Thibodeau is similar to that of Belichick by the way he prepares his work ethic, things of that nature. I'm not comparing the Just two. Just say the c word. Say it already. Culture. Okay, that well, that's a part of it. But anyway, back to my main point. You, you <laughs> Thibodeau obviously is a brilliant basketball mind, and he had so many conflicts with his front office, such so many conflicts that it forced him out. He disagreed with pretty much. Uh, everything that was going on that uh, Pax and Gar were saying, well, you got to, you know, save the save the legs of this roster. You got to mm-hmm. play this a certain way. He goes, no, I'm t- this is my I'm doing what I want to do. And I, it goes back to the front office, the way they run this organization is the route to go kind of like, I mean, football is different, but a la Bill Belichick, a la um, Doc Rivers, where it's you bring in a guy to be judge, jury and executioner. He runs the front office. He runs the players. He runs. The you better find the right guy to do that. And that's the one thing with that San Antonio coaching tree. You want to set up a culture, like the coaches that come that's out of that tree. Yeah, they set up a culture right. because that's what. So that, that's I'm what, with you. Like Pop has done. I mean, even look at Steve gotcha. Kerr. What the culture that he's set Absolutely. up with the Warriors, and I think yeah. Luke Walton is eventually going to do the same thing in LA. So we're kind of rambling a little bit on the Chicago Bulls conversation, but that's fine. It's totally fine. We went from the D Wade comments all the way through the Fred Hoiberg in the front office problems. But we're going to end this conversation going back to the original point: Dwayne Wade, Jimmy Butler. This locker room's divided. Obviously, since the start, Butler and Wade were buddy buddy. Obviously, Wade's trying to turn Butler into the superstar. He's trying to turn him into a guy who's going to carry himself as an ultimate professional leader and all that stuff. Yep. My opinion, Jimmy Butler's not a leader. He's all for himself. Am I wrong in thinking that? I, I'm i not going to disagree with you that I think that right now Jimmy needs to mature. And it's much like what I said. The same kind of changes that happened with LeBron need to happen with Jimmy. Because I look at Jimmy, I see the production I see the, like, makings, and I want to go, yeah, he's our number one. He's a superstar for he's sure. He's a superstar. Yeah, he's I a was, number one. I was really, really put off by the comments uh, after the game last night, however. That was just—that wasn't that wasn't what you do. And, you know, you have guys like Jerry and Grant going on Twitter and defending himself. Same with Isaiah Cannon. Mm-hmm. Then you, the, the the Rondo thing, which I'm yeah. seeing now, the front office didn't like what Rondo said. What a surprise. Right? Concern he said, if anything, it's the leadership. And now they're thinking that, well, I think that attributes yeah. to the front office as well. But uh, And they're saying, well, they might buy out Rondo's contract now. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. That could happen. Dave, what do you think? No, I think that uh, Jimmy Butler is a player who has by far exceeded every expectation anyone had for him already. Great work, I think. And it, every time you think he's hit his cap, he keeps getting better. He yep. keeps improving. I think at this point, he's just lashing out out of pure frustration. I think he legit can be a leader of a team. I don't know if it's this team this year. And I, I, I completely... Uh, understand why he's frustrated because like you said the expectations were at such a level going into the season where they should be competing and the fact that they're losing to these bad teams and i'm saying bad teams and the way they lose is even worse and watching guys who are having historically bad years take shots over you while you're hot take you know opportunities away from you and you're like look if you would just give me the ball every time i'm down on like every time we're down there on the floor we're going to win this game, and at some point, you just have to man up and say it. Be like, look, I'm a better player than you. Give me the ball. And I understand that that's not an easy thing to do because— I think he's been saying that, though. Mm-hmm. That's I, the message he's been sending the to problem, his locker room. The problem is that, A, they're not listening, or B, the coach has a different message. So if you don't match up— and That's a problem. Uh, the locker room spots, is completely divided. Yeah, it, it needs to be a concise vision for how your team is going to win games. They don't have that this year, and I think that Jimmy Butler— 
is probably best off, you know, getting a fresh start. And I think Dwayne Wade is going to find his way out of town very soon. And the one thing that has been sitting in my mind and I just want to throw it at the end, kind of as a little fire starter for the comment section, Boston does have two picks. Anyone. Two picks. Anyone. We can get a a pick. I'm not saying go ahead and trade Jimmy. Like, I'm not starting that protest and that campaign. But it's one of those things where I sit there and I go, Boston has two picks. Yeah, but I mean, the Nets are awful. So that number one overall, Jimmy, I don't know. No, I'd, I'd take either of them. Awesome. Bulls <laughs> conversation, boys. It's it's always fun talking Bulls, especially when they're laughable, which they are the laughing stock of the league right now. Entertaining team, it's though. Funny, Did we, are you not entertained? We it, called this shit. It's funny because we still technically are the eighth seed. So I mean, uh, we're, yeah, that we're east, there. It's going to change, yeah. though. We'll we're see. talking about selling out for three best players. We're going to see what happens moving forward with this Bulls team because this drama is not over, and we're going to have more for you on Behind the Pen moving forward i can't wait i can't wait thank you boys for that conversation we're going to transition now into super bowl talk let's do it because well it's super bowl lee super bowl lee and did you guys uh, expect this matchup called i it. did not i called I it did not. Well, yeah. wait yeah. wait what are you talking beginning of the playoffs beginning of the season at any point um no no i knew the patriots would be here at the beginning of the playoffs, I originally actually no, I did have them beginning of the season. So yeah, I knew the Patriots would be here. Yeah. I thought the Cardinals would be here. I had uh, Cardinals. Cardinals expectations really high. I had but Cardinals winning the Super Bowl. Sorry, Brian. Still no, for that I, one. I, I had the Falcons pretty early in the season. I had the Patriots from day one. I thought, was the, Pan- revenge I thought tour. the Panthers would be better. I thought they'd win the division again. Yeah, but well, hey, this this Falcons team is dynamic. Dave Oster, yeah, killing it. And we're going to talk about this Super Bowl matchup. It's a shame matchup. I'm not on uh, the onside kick anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so we look at this matchup, and I want to throw this question out there to you. Obviously, this is a quarterback-driven league, right? If you're going to have a good team, you're going to lead them to the promised land. I mean, look at what the matchups in the championship game. Top four quarterbacks in the mm-hmm. game today arguably were in it, as well as even in the divisional round. And Brock Osweiler. Minus Osweiler and— Brock uh, the cock, baby. Cock and Prescott. But they looked—well, Osweiler. Uh, Prescott, <laughs> not bad. But yeah. really, the conversation is about quarterbacks. Is this a bigger game for Matt Ryan or Tom Brady? Now, this could be an obvious answer. Ricky, what's your what's your thoughts? I'm going to say Matt Ryan, and the reason being is it didn't hit my noodle here until it was one of those things I'm thinking. I haven't listened to the herd in a while. Got to get my, my dose of Colin Cowherd because yep. I've been off of it. But earlier this week, he said something that kind of resonated with me. And he goes, it was the Monday after the championship games, and he goes, think about this. A year ago today, we were in the same situation, winning culture, the team that has um, that team where it's basically same thing, same thing. It helps when he had a dominant defense mm-hmm. like the Broncos did, but he's basically comparing the Patriots to the Broncos. And then you look on the other side, hot shot MVP. Oh, they're going to run all over him. Hot shot MVP. I don't think Cam, I've ever heard Cam that. Cam Newton was the one where it's, he's dead. Oh, no, I, I was comparing that to the Matty Ice. Well, it's like, one uh... of those things where, and his point was this Falcon, this Falcon team, much like the Panthers, might have the same thing. People are filling your head with how good you are, how great you are. Oh, this offense, how good, how good. And then you come out. And you have a stinker because you got Bill Belichick and Tom Brady where it's basically same thing, treating it like. And that's the thing with Tom Brady. I think he's going to come into this game, been here before, knows what to do, knows how to prep. I'm not saying Matt Ryan doesn't, but it's a bigger game for Matt Ryan because really this game can, it really depends like where we look in the hierarchy of quarterbacks. Tom you take Br- that Joe Flacco like, step? Well, it's one of the. Oh, he's better than Flacco. Come on. I th- well, I thought, about, I thought about it. Matt I Ryan, about I think that. so. Oh, because no, it's one of those things where yeah, oh, you yeah, win one quote, elite yeah. with Joe Flacco. You, you win one, he's elite, but then you don't win any, and you fall into the Joe Flacco. With Tom Brady, it's like yeah, you finally pass um, Montana, but it's bigger to me for Matt Ryan. Uh, I I agree with you, but for different reasons because I think Tom Brady has already submitted. He's the goat quarterback of all time. And another championship is fantastic, and it's it's unprecedented already. So seven Super Bowls, seven Super Bowl appearances, and just fucking phenomenal run for this team. And this is again, this is the like ultimately well-run organization in the NFL and in sports. It, it's a well-oiled machine. They're in the playoffs. I think what eleven out of thirteen years, some like crazy stats. You make it up, it's all there. So I think that 
the Patriots are just so prepped for the Super Bowl and giving Belichick two weeks to prepare mm-hmm. is really just it, it's going to be very interesting because oh, you know he'll take out your number one weapon. You well, ain't going to be able to use them. Well, that's that's the interesting <laughs> thing is I don't know that you can take out if Julio Jones is healthy if he's a hundred percent healthy for this game, which is if at this point in time because he is still nursing himself a little bit. But if you take out Julio Jones, I still think that they're a dangerous team because, A, Julio is a phenomenal weapon. So mm-hmm. shutting him down, maybe, like, you know, get him down to like five for like 70. Like that may be a shutdown day. Since but, 2001, sorry, Dave. Yeah, yeah. Uh, since 2001, 14 divisional championships for the New England Patriots. That's two years, two seasons that haven't been New England. And what's even crazier One is— One Tom Brady didn't play in. <laughs> Well, and what's even crazier is Tom, or not Tom Brady, um, the play-by-play for the Patriots radio was on Dan Patrick this mm-hmm. week, and he goes, yeah, I got this job six years ago, and this was the sixth time I have called the AFC Championship game. Yeah. It's like, he's like, it's just become a norm. Exactly. Right? It doesn't England. even phase him. So, or, And that's the thing where, I mean, everyone talks about like, oh, Bill Belichick, he's going to take out your number one weapon. And I do agree that Mohamed Sanu Sr., might be looked on a little bit more because it's like, hey, you know what? We can't go to Julio's much because they're double teaming them or they're coming well, up with well, packages. Was that the Belichick thing where you always you, you double their uh, mm-hmm. second and then you put you know a guy on their first and really just force it? The thing I'm looking at though is not the offense; it's yeah. the defense of the Falcons because, and this is kind of getting away from the quarterbacks, but it goes with Tom Brady. The reason why I think he's going to have so much success in this game, not only is Tom Brady A, in shotgun, so it's harder to get to him, and he gets the ball out so quick. So it's really hard to get to him. you got a, you got a defense on Atlanta that's mostly rookies playing in their first mostly? Super. Mostly? It's not mostly. It's young players. they got four. It's, that's that's four a lot who, for a defense. Four who played more than nine games, I think, this but year. But this is their first Super Bowl. Yeah. Obviously, I think it's, on defense it's, you don't really have that that nervousness. Well, on it's not nervousness. It's contain, oh, you can't feel your legs. Containing your emotions. <laughs> no, you don't see as much like a being able to yeah. control that adrenaline, that extra adrenaline you're going to get of playing in a Super Bowl. And then what happens late in the game if you're not able to get to Tom Brady? What happens up in here? See, I don't think they're going to have a problem getting to Tom Brady. This is one of the fastest defenses in the NFL. Tom Brady just going to get it out quicker. And that's the thing, Dave. I, I think, I think <laughs> he just this gets is, it out so No, quick. I think this is going to be a heavy dose of LeGarrette Blount. And I think that's how the Patriots game plan because this is a undersized defense that is entirely predicated on their speed and their ability to match up well on the outside with your wide receivers and using Vic Beasley everywhere on the field. Yeah. And I really like uh, I really like this matchup. This is a very intriguing matchup. I'm with you, Dave. I, I like the Falcons. I like the Falcons. It's very hard for me to pick against Tom Brady, obviously. When yeah. I'm looking at this matchup, I think I'm looking at Matt Ryan, guys. Like I think this is a, a career well, defining he's have an MVP ball game. game, and he's the MVP of the season. I mean, it's very he's hard to have argue that, that kind of. And I think he's only been throwing out some stupid numbers against it's everybody. Un- coming, it's unbelievable. And I yeah. want to throw this out there now. Uh, you look at quarterback rating, right? QBR yep. now. That's it. It's in, in football, see, it's different. I'm a baseball guy. You look at stats, and it's tangible. It's right there. It tells a story. In football, it's it's a little different because you got to look at, at, at quality of play on the field, not so much numbers. But mm-hmm. in quarterback rating, that's another skewed stat kind of because you can go uh, three touchdowns and an interception, but that interception really hits your quarterback rating. Anyway, what I'm getting at is all time, we look at quarterback rating. Matt Ryan's tied for 11th all-time in QBR with Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins only been started for, what, three years or something like that, two mm-hmm. years? Matt Ryan, in, what is this, his eighth year in the league, ninth year in the league, he's been absolutely dominant. He's only had two losing seasons. The problem is when he gets to the playoffs, he kind of underwhelming, right? And I think this is the year yeah. with, with, the, with the, obviously, dual threat at running back. Takes a lot of pressure off of his arm. But you have... Julio Jones, Gabriel on the outside. I really, really like this Falcons team. Yeah. They, they just got such a collection of weapons. And I even like the, the running backs, the fact that they have the best tandem of running backs mm-hmm. in the NFL. They're so versatile out of the backfield. And I just think that this Falcons offense is, is such a dynamic force. That I don't even know that Belichick is going to shut them down to expect love. I think that this is going to be a fairly high scoring game. I think it's going to be combine it with an athletic defense on Atlanta. Oh man. It's yeah. not the fact that Bill Belichick is going to shut something down. It's going to be to me it comes down to adversity on the defensive side. Like I said, 
What if you're not able? You could use LeGarrette Blunt. I don't care what the strategy is. Get the ball quicker or lean on the run game. Mm-hmm. You can't get to Tom Brady. What is that adversity going to do to you in that game? And on offense, it might be, okay, they're doing this, and it's really throwing off our game. What are you going to have to change mid-game? Not like a huge change, right. but that one slight thing that we got to try and go to this that is going to be the Falcons are going to have to make a choice like that in this game, and it could mean either a victory or a loss. I, th- I don't know how— I just want it to be a close game. That's I think all it's going to be a good one. I mean, yeah, it's a great point. After watching uh, <laughs> the playoffs this Sunday. Year. My yeah. goodness. However, the one thing I will say, if you're a superstitious guy like I am a little bit— Pick the Patriots. Put your money on the Patriots. Why is that? They said on Mike and Mike today that 11 out of the last whatever Super Bowls, the winning team has worn 12. white. Mm-hmm. And the Falcons today chose to wear red. Except oh, for the no. fact that I wanted them to wear white. However, if you kept listening. however Mike Golick then yep. said the last two <laughs> Super Bowls in Houston, the team that well, wore the that. colored jerseys won. Look I'm at go- that. I'm going, ele- I'm going 11's a bigger number than two, though. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not buying any of that. I'm, no. not, I'm still taking the Falcons. I'll, I'll, take, I'll take the winning culture. Yeah, it's take. very hard to pick against <laughs> yeah. Tom Brady, to be honest with unless, you. It unless it's is. the Giants. Well? Unless it's New York. I had them in the Super Bowl. I had them beating the Patriots in the well, Super Bowl. Well, you guys are wrong. <laughs> very wrong. I, I was like, eh, Atlanta, are they good? Yeah, maybe. But then, all of a sudden, they dominated throughout this playoff run. And by the way, the playoffs... Ugh, guys, only two good games, and that came in the divisional round. I Ugh. sort of enjoyed the beatdown championship Sunday. I did. Both teams I wanted to win oh, won, yeah. so I, I got well, a lot out of it's that. Like, in the playoffs... But, yeah, unless, quality of game is... Uh, unless, it's, unless it's my team, it's one of those, like, I just want good games. And especially for the Super Bowl, I just want a good game. That's all I care yeah, about. Yeah, last year was sad. I don't, I don't want to deal with another... Yeah. Game like One-sided. we saw last Broncos, year. Broncos, Seahawks was sad. Uh, Panthers, Broncos was sad. It, it's just one of those things where I'm like, come, like, give me a good game. I think this is going to be a good give game. Give me a like, field yeah. I mean, goal this win. should match up pretty well. All right, so I'm giving, I'm taking Falcons 31-27. Bold. What do you, take. what do you think? Is it weird that I'm like right in the same area as you? Because I almost want to just say the same thing, but I'll go, uh, I'll go. Th- 37 31 so you're, you're going with the points okay i am it, it's it's in turf in ground and turf like so do you guys like, know that makes the biggest difference the, the over the under the, the three spread or opened, six it opened up at three right yeah it's you know, three the point spread though is it like 62 but i mean no. even the one thing i did look for last year the amount of close games last year in the playoff seattle minnesota a one-point game we had Pittsburgh Cincinnati was that eighteen to sixteen game. You've got um, Denver Pittsburgh was twenty three sixteen seven point between New England KC thirty one twenty four with Carolina Seattle twenty six twenty Green Bay that one went into overtime. The Seattle Panthers game was and in then anyway. twenty to eighteen. I mean Denver kind yeah, of dominated that one throughout. It was a lot more closer games well, than course. we had this year. So who yeah. you got? I am actually going to hold on my prediction because I have an onside kick. That okay. I have to give all right, that's fair, so fair. I'm going to make them wait. I'm C- make consider them wait. the turf, people. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> this is this is a quick team on turf versus the Patriots who usually win through adversity in Ireland. I'm looking forward know. to it. Tom Brady, Tom Brady. Tom Brady did. Didn't he beat the greatest show on turf on Look, turf? Tom Brady is a great goat. I, I called off the bat. Tom Brady's goat. It wouldn't surprise me if the Patriots win this because of Tom Brady, everything they've done. Tom Brady's 39, right? He's got like three years, four years left. And in plus, his four, nothing, 14. Plus, guys, we didn't bring up. The the greatest Patriot of all time, Chris Hogan. Stop. He's going to be the no. star of this game, man. It's not the greatest. <laughs> Get out of here. On that note, we're going to move on from uh, really good organizations in football to one that kind of is not as fun, and that's the Chicago Bears. We have to talk Chicago Bears football because talk this about, is talk about coaches the who lost in the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, well, John Fox. Hey, he's had experience. Twice. Not you know, <laughs> hey, turning into a winning culture, and we have yet to see that in Chicago. But it begins kind of. Right. It, it, well, they're in the process. Not really so much the beginning anymore. Kind of moving forward. I look at this Bears team. I think they're still a little bit away. Right. But they have something to build on, especially in that front seven on defense. That being said, what the conversation many of us are having around mm-hmm. the Bears and really all you can really talk about is that number three pick. And I, I watched the national championship game. I also watched the game before that Deshaun Watson played. And I want to base this conversation sort of around him. Is he worth the number three pick for the Bears, given the situation? Now, let me preface this by saying, what is the most, uh, well, highest position of need in any sport? It's quarterback. Yep. And in the Chicago Bears specifically, 
what do they need the most? Because we're assuming Cutler's gone. Do you really want to play Matt Barkley slash Brian Hoyer for somewhat most of the season, whatever? Mm-hmm. It, is it so far-fetched to say that Sean Watson's worth the three pick for the Bears? I say no, and the reason why is, for me, I've seen so much this season, Like, and my biggest thing right now that is my knock against Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. is I question, I question the mental makeup a little bit. Really? And the reason why I say that is, Look back earlier in the year. I don't know. When Clemson was struggling and almost lost to teams that they shouldn't have, what was the big story? Deshaun Watson saying, don't call me a dual-threat quarterback. I'm not a dual-threat quarterback. That's just him betting on himself. Yeah, but it's my mind Mm -hmm. of saying, how about you focus on your play on the field and blow out the teams you're supposed to and then not worry about what we're calling you. Well, he kind of backed it up. Dual threat. I don't care. I'm talking about, This like, is more of a message for the draft stock than how to win a college well, football and game. It's, it's like Tim Tebow was a great college quarterback. He's not an NFL quarterback because well, he, he was that, you know, he was the mechanics were wrong. There's so much wrong with it, yeah. But he and, could run the ball in college. Yeah, the magic quarterback. And here's yeah. another thing. This is more recently that... I know he wouldn't be, I don't think he'd be working with the Bears staff because I think if he played in the Senior Bowl this Saturday, he'd be playing with the South where Clemson is. But I know his big reason, well, he didn't say it, but I'm going to assume well, that his big, re- come out. Well, his big reasoning was, I'm not going to play in the um, Senior Bowl. That told me... I don't want the Browns to be able to work with me. I don't want them to get a favorable attitude of me so that the Browns don't. Like, oh, he I don't know about he that. He doesn't want to go to Cleveland. That's what no. my mind is. But if I'm the Bears on the other side, I look at that and I see, huh, this is a kid that, A, we have questions about, doesn't even want to come out and work. Okay. With NFL yeah. coaches. All right, let me, let me counter you with that because I think, in my opinion, and this is just me and, and watching Deshaun Watson on the field, he's got something. He's, he's got magic. And, and you know what? Dak Prescott had that this year. We saw it. Now, maybe he— You know who played in the senior bowl? Dak Prescott. Well, listen, Worked hold on. NFL coaches. Now, now, with Dak Prescott, I, I, it's a similar, it's a different situation mm-hmm. because he had talent around him. Best offensive line in football, Ezekiel Elliott, top rusher in the NFL. And who drafted Given the Dak circumstances. Prescott? The team he worked now, with. Now, listen. With Deshaun Watson— why the hell would you go and play in the Senior Bowl when you have already proven yourself in the biggest games possible at the level of the sport you're playing at? And back-to-back it doesn't national have championship to do games. It. No, what else do you need to scout? It do- No, it's uh, not about the big thing with him in the Senior Bowl has nothing to yeah, do the NFL with his actual play. If he's an NFL caliber starter in the first round. To me, it's not even anything to do with his play. To me, it's how do you work with the coaching staff. It gives not only the Browns, I mean— yeah, I can get if he doesn't want to go to Cleveland. Everyone's bringing up the, oh, well, John Elway didn't want to go number one to, what was it, the Colts, that he was going to play baseball. And my point with that was Deshaun Watson is not, like, the same kind of player that John Elway was. We knew John Elway was, boom, the number one pick in an NFL draft. To me, it's more of how do you work with the coaching staff how are you as a coachable player and actually getting to work with you? And that's also something to note, that in this draft, there's no guarantee for a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Now, Ricky, I respectfully disagree with you entirely on this. I think Deshaun Watson is taking the smart move by not going out there for the Senior Bowl because the only thing you can do at this point is hurt yourself. Like, yes, there are chances to go out there and show them what. What, what, what more can he prove to these guys that he hasn't done already? Guess what? You can have private workouts with quarterbacks before the draft. That's totally a thing. He hasn't said no to that. Plus the combine. He he's still got the combine but and private workouts. This is more so him going, I don't want to take a flyer on getting hurt by some See, kid I don't, I don't who thinks he's going to get an NFL draft mm. pick in the sixth or seventh round because he comes out and he sacks me. I'm not going to take that risk on my body. I've got nothing more to show he's these He's got coaches. nothing to prove. That's exactly it. I've done everything that you can ask me to do in a college career. I, literally, there's nothing else he can do. I mean, this is I, just personality at I this point where he has time to disagree. talk to coaches. And that's combine, and that's personal interviews. Well, yep. and the thing that I disagree the most on is let he can say whatever he wants. Let's not get anything twisted. The reason, the main reason why he doesn't want to go to the Senior Bowl is he doesn't want to go to Cleveland. And Didn't I don't, say no, absolutely not. I don't. No. That has nothing to do with dis- anything. 
it's not like I said. You can say whatever you want. I look at the comments and I. Know, you can say what you want, but you I can't say the only reason. Right? I don't want to go it's to your opinion. I don't want to go to number one. And no. That's... One thing I was gonna say is I don't disagree with them. I wouldn't want to. That's go your opinion. To Cleveland, you can't, you can't put words. This in is the mouth. NFL, and these are it's... NFL organizations. I don't care if it's Cleveland; they've had a history of losing. You're getting drafted to play in the highest level of your sport. It doesn't matter what team you're playing for. If you're not going to the Senior Bowl because you don't want to be drafted by Cleveland, that's a load of horse. Well, and the thing about with the whole. And I kind of hate it with the, oh, well, I don't want to get injured. I have nothing to prove. He does. Obviously, you do have something to prove because if you didn't, everyone would be saying you're the number right. one pick. So we know where we not. stand on this conversation. And I that's why the Bears shouldn't even draft any further. Shouldn't but even look let, let's, go, let's go back to that because obviously the value at three is so astronomical in this situation, especially with the Bears' current situation. Obviously, they need playmakers on the defensive end, especially in the secondary. There are players like Jamal Adams, Malik Hooker. I know you in your mock draft. Have the Bears taking Malik Hooker. However, when I look Spoiler, at... Spoiler, it's not even out yet. Sorry, yeah. sorry. I, I apologize. <laughs> better better, better finish this up before we... <laughs> yeah. just, just waiting for uh, Ricky's mock draft, because I know I am. So when I'm looking at this Bears situation right now, biggest position of need right now, obviously, is is quarterback, in my, in my eyes. However, is it worth spending that three pick on a quarterback, whether it's Kaiser, Watson, Trubisky... I don't like Trubisky only because of the lack of, an, uh, of experience. He's only played one year. Right. Obviously, highest accuracy rating in the entire country, one of them. Uh, but he was throwing a talented wide receivers there. In a pro style, he looks good. I don't want to talk about Trubisky. We're, lo- we're looking at Watson here. In my opinion of Deshaun Watson, there's something special about this kid. I agree with you, There's absolutely something special about this kid. We look at his performance in the national championship game. I think it was before halftime. It was a final drive. There was this one throw, and I'm only just picking this one out. It was it was sort of a, a, an out route for a receiver on the sideline. Just put it pinpoint in the pocket, three stop drop. Just nailed it, absolutely nailed it. Obviously, there are questions for Watson's uh, uh, tangibles, right? His, his mechanics and what he's going to do in, in the pros if that's going to translate from the college game. But there's something about it that makes it work and it makes it win. And if you're a quarterback, look at Aaron Rodgers. I'm not comparing the two. I'm saying Aaron Rodgers has some sort of magic. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think that. He offers a, a skill set that any offensive coordinator would love to have, and any team should really like think about because this is a, a chance to have a dynamic playmaker on your offense who forces defenses to think twice about how they're going to cover your team. All the defensive setups they're, they're going to use, like, all right, now not only do we have to cover wide receivers, running backs, tight ends, all this stuff, now we have to have a spy sit there and wait and watch on him because if we don't and he gets loose, he can he hurt can make us. A play. So. My only concern for Deshaun Watson being such a high pick is the fact that and we haven't seen a quarterback with that mobility, that play style, last very long in the NFL. See, now, with that being said, I'm not sure how it's much— It's relatively he's, new to, right. the, to the NFL being accepted. Russell Wilson's been, been killing it, and he's like the first guy that comes to mind, mobile quarterback with success. But I'm looking right. at this situation for the Bears— all that being said, I just praised Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. I don't think he. I don't think the Bears can do it. I don't think he's worth a three pick for for the given the, the circumstances where the Bears the stand. Risk, the risk is just too high. And, and well, that's the thing. We haven't seen a guaranteed yes quarterback really since Andrew Luck slash well, Jameis Winston. I and, think Jameis more probably, so. Okay. Probably Jameis. And here's the thing. And the I don't see most, that in Deshaun. When it comes to the Bears, the most important pick in this draft is not even one that they control. It's the one that happens right right before them. them Because if Kyle Shanahan, because at this point it looks like he's going to, after the Super Bowl, accept the job at the 49ers. Like, I heard things that they, uh, one guy was from Minnesota, I don't know where the other guy was. Basically, the Niners flew two guys to Houston, basically to kind of, Oh, just go out to lunch with Kyle Shanahan just to see which one he hits it off with <laughs> as a possible um, GM for their team. So to me, it could be that if they go Mitch Trubisky, then if I'm the Bears, Jonathan Allen, like I can't get that card up to the podium. So you're assuming quick enough. Miles Garrett goes one. Well, yeah, Miles Garrett I'm one a, is pretty solid unless something crazy well, happens. Unless he gets injured or something in like a workout. But I mean. I looked at the article and we talked about it like what was it a month or two ago. As soon as the Browns said astronomical great, I said, "Oh, he's going number one." Like when you fall in love with a guy that much, yeah. your mind usually doesn't change. And by Trubisky the time going to draft. If he goes two, that could happen. It could because Very Kyle so. Shanahan. One guy I threw out on the onside kick that it'd be interesting is to see if Kyle Shanahan tries to get maybe a Kirk Cousins to the. Um, 49ers because he did work with Kurt a few years 
in Washington. But point being, if the Niners go quarterback, I go Jared. I go Jonathan Allen. And I, I agree call with him you. Jared Allen. I go Jonathan <laughs> Allen. But let's say Jonathan yeah. Allen is at off at two. I go either Hooker or Adams. And the one quarterback, a, they're in a great spot. The one quarterback I want to throw out there that's going to be one to watch for Bears fans and. If you're listening to this on Blog Talk Radio, you'll get to see the game after we talk about it. If you're listening to it on YouTube, the game has already happened. But Nate Peterman, quarterback out of Pitt, because this is a guy who John Fox and this Bears staff are going to coach at the Senior Bowl. So where do you see him? Like Could what be a third round? rounder. Third? I mean, right now, CBS has him as a fourth rounder. But if a good Senior Bowl, we still got like oh, yeah, said, the combine, combine all that stuff. pro workouts. I think that if the Bears like what they see this weekend, sure. maybe it's a, well, why wait, like, not waste, but why reach for somebody right. like With a Deshaun Watson at three when we can go after yeah. this guy we like? Another one, Deshaun Kaiser, if he falls into the second I, round for him. I was that really is, high on Kaiser at the beginning of the season, yeah. but I don't know where he falls in the first see, or second I, round. I think that we're going to see, like like we do most years, is that run on quarterbacks go. And this, this kind of reminds me of uh, the Teddy Bridgewater year for quarterbacks where it's like, not one guy stands out as he's mm-hmm. going to be the guy for this year, but there's a lot of guys who have the talent mm-hmm. to be, you know, everyday starters in the NFL. They and, could and, develop. I mean, yeah. you've got four of them that could go in the first round. Right. Watson, Trubisky, Kaiser, and Mahomes. Yeah, I don't think Mahomes does. I think Mahomes is for sure second. I I would agree, but if we make a run at quarterbacks, there might be a team at the very end that goes, ah, we'll trade with New England to get Mahomes. Eh, <laughs> we'll we'll see about that. But, yeah, I think that Kaiser, if he's there at, at their second round through, that that should be a lock instantly. Even like you said, maybe maybe you have to go back up in the first to get mm-hmm. him. But I think he is the answer. I think that you you play it safe in round and you take best player available, whether it is someone like Jonathan Allen who is just an absolute stud on that defensive line, which sure up you already talked about our front seven really came together at the end of this last season. We ended up top ten in defensive and it, and overall ra- ratings. And it's just like all right, we could sure up that position, sure. The, the big concern er, for me is the secondary. And oh, yeah. the nice thing about this year is there's about seven guys, I think, seven to ten guys in that secondary who I have with first to early second round grades who are going to be available in the second and third round probably. There's, there's, there's a lot of guys. There's such good depth there that one we guy, have a good chance to kind of fill in that role. One guy out of Iowa that they are coaching in the senior bowl that I like, Desmond King. Could be Entirely one that you possible. get in the second. I mean, he's a first, second rounder right now. So as we wrap up the Chicago Bears conversation, as well as this entire podcast, you guys sticking around on Blog Talk Radio, you guys are the best. Thank you for listening throughout. But I want to I want to bounce off what both of you mm-hmm. guys were saying. I love, Ricky, what you were saying about Jonathan Allen, as well as Dave talking about the front seven. I completely agree. I think Jonathan Allen is not only the safe pick, but the right pick to make. Jonathan Allen, if you add him to this front seven, think about it. Will Young, Pernell McPhee, right? Uh of Dr- course, you Dr- stay healthy. Darrell Freeman, of course, of course. But that just adds to the depth. Eddie Goldman, Akeem Hicks was a great offseason signing, and we see Leonard Floyd emerging as this legitimate player, and he was worth the ninth overall pick last year. This is a big draft for Ryan Pace, I think. And plus, you have two picks in the top 36. So yeah. you really can't screw this up if you're the Bears. But, uh, but it is the Bears. It is, it the, is Chicago the Bears. Bears. All right, some final thoughts. I love also looking at uh, the situations and the depth at the secondary like what you guys were just mentioning, uh, Jamal Adams. I mean, oh, man, it's tough to pass on a guy like that. But Jonathan Allen, I think, is a safer pick. So for me, best player available if it's Jonathan Allen. You got to do it. Well, it it all, like I said, comes down to what the Niners are going to do. If they take quarterback, like I said, I can't get that card with Allen's name on it up to the commissioner quick enough. But if the Niners go Allen, which I think they should do, I would do. Then with the Bears, it becomes. The kind of me, the debate of who do you want? Do you want Hooker or do you want Adams? You want the ball skill guy or you want the guy with the athleticism? So it's really what the Niners do and then reacting to it. That's that's fair. And I don't know, I don't really have a huge preference one way or the other because I think both guys are going to excel at the next level. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's just 
watching the Bears play and watch that secondary disappointment. Like, just give me something there. Give me Basically, some hope. Basically, Dave is saying, I don't trust you, John Fox, and the staff to develop hookers' athleticism and develop hooker. Sabres don't avoid peppers. Like, uh, I, mean, I, I would not. Uh, defensive put, I mean, staff, Vic Fangio, I think John Fox knows defense. I got to give them credit there, but it's just overall, I'm just kind of just sad until, <laughs> until, he, get, until he gets just, hurt somehow. I want to see. I want to see them get yeah, better. But by God, the end of the second round, yeah. I just I need to have a new quarterback for this team and a secondary. Uh, someone in the secondary. I was going to be an on top of that draft. Wonderful. Very important yeah. draft for Ryan Pace. And guys, yeah, at least you guys have a pick in the first round. Oh, no. Sam Bradford. But, but Sam, Sam hey, B, he had the, he had he the percentage. The Five and over the record. Hey, it was a good season. <laughs> we'll win the Super Bowl next year in our own stadium. Well, it's okay. well hopefully Teddy Bridgewater can walk. Sure. And on that note, guys, thank you so much for jumping on to Behind the Pen. This is a fantastic conversation. We had Bulls today. We talked Super Bowl preview, a little quarterback conversation. And for this Bears segment, really awesome conversation with Sean Watson and where the Bears stand at the number three pick. Remember, if you're on blogtalkradio.com backslash most available podcast, be sure to share it. And uh, you could do that via Twitter. Now, we're on Twitter at most available pod. Also, subscribe to our channel on YouTube, most available podcast. We're moving on up. We're almost there. Ricky, we get to roast you soon. I'm looking forward to that very much. I, so. I can't wait. Give I us gotta, a like. I got to shave beforehand. I can't wait. No, leave shave it. Beforehand. Oh, well, yeah, look 10 years younger when you do. Yeah, I do. I look but, like a baby face. Leave a like down below if you could. really helps out our channel. Leave a comment. Have a discussion in the in the comment section. We love reading that and getting some feedback. You guys are the best. For Dave Oster, for Ricky Woodmer, I'm Mike Rankin. This is Behind the Pen. And as always, guys, we will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.